We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, so far we've worked our way through four installments in this New Year series, Our Faith, What Will Others See in 2023? And on this journey, my hope continues to be we'll discover natural and creative ways to reach out to people in our spheres of influence and introduce them to our faith. In other words, in our everyday lives and routines, let them see Jesus in us. And if you've missed any prior teaching sessions, you can catch up via the podcasts at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Well, friends, today's part five is leaving the solution to Jesus. So I'll share with you the true story of Dr. Max Reich, a Jewish believer in Jesus, who testified to how divine resources met his and his wife's needs through a loving channel. It all began when he was first married. I'll let him continue. My wife and I felt called to full-time Christian service. God blessed our ministry and many people found Christ. Our income was meager and we had few possessions, but our hearts were full of joy. One day my wife said, Max, there's nothing for dinner tonight. I didn't reply right away. I was listening to birds singing in the trees. All of a sudden, words from a well-known Christian song flashed through my mind. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I said to my wife, Honey, if God feeds the birds, surely he'll take care of us. Suddenly there was a knock at the door. A lady introduced herself and then said, My husband was a hopeless alcoholic. He spent most of his paycheck to get drunk. The children and I often went hungry. Recently he heard you preach the gospel, and God worked a miracle in his heart. He's a changed man. For the first time in years he brought home a full week's pay, and I bought a good supply of groceries. As I was cooking, I thought, some of this food should go to Brother Reich. I was going to come later, but something compelled me to come now. So please accept half of the chicken I fried and some fresh-baked biscuits. When she left, we rejoiced and burst out singing, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. You see, friends, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs 
through loving channels to the glory of God. Well, let me briefly recap where we've come. In part one, we looked with Jesus' eyes, encountering the outcast and despised Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, and whom Jesus went out of his way to touch with his love, simply striking up a conversation about needing a drink of water. In part two, we listened to the Spirit's voice, exploring the account of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, who just happened to be returning from Jerusalem on his chariot and stopped to read Isaiah. Then we watched Philip, led by the Holy Spirit, track him down and lead him to Jesus. In part three, we reenacted living out the Savior's call by way of the actions of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 and proposed that God was behind the scenes engineering circumstances to lead a stranger to help a man beaten and left for dead. Last time we devoted a portion of our session to focus on the word love in Through Loving Channels. Recall I said, friends, that adding biblical love to this equation makes all the difference in the world. If biblical love isn't the driving force behind everything we do, we'd never anticipate God wanting to love people through us. Our stepping stone verse was 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ controls us. I had said that it's not enough to just be channels. We must be loving channels, and we must want to be God's channel, whereby his love flows through us to others. Friends, last time I said I wanted to be absolutely certain we didn't overlook this very important word, loving. Well, today I want to be absolutely certain that we don't overlook another very important word, divine. In the first phrase, ministry takes place when divine resources. It's particularly interesting that our ministry mantra doesn't begin with the word human. In other words, human resources meet human needs. You see, friends, our ministry mantra actually challenges us to fight the temptation to think we're sufficient in ourselves. It flies in the face of human self-sufficiency. It flies in the face of Christian self-sufficiency. Even Christ followers are not exempt from this temptation, are we? If you've been around my teaching long enough, you know that I periodically make this philosophical statement. From the moment we become born again until the day we see Jesus face to face, God's primary goal in our life is to wean us off of our self-sufficiency Ouch! Let me say that again. From the moment we become born again until the day we see Jesus face to face, God's primary goal in our life is to wean us off of our self-sufficiency. Now, some of you listening may challenge me on that, saying, Oh yeah, Pastor Tom, but what about Romans 8.29? God predestined us to become conformed to the image of his Son. So isn't that his primary goal in our lives? And I'd simply reply with, that's what I just said, only I used philosophical language, because the only way we'll be conformed to the image of Jesus is if we take our eyes off of ourselves and our self-sufficiency. Friends, we must always live out in word and deed the fact that we're absolutely and totally dependent upon divine resources. At least twice the scriptures remind us of our adequacy or sufficiency coming from God. Second Corinthians 5.3 Not that we are adequate 
or sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy or sufficiency is from God. And Second Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Well, friends, today in part five, let's look at a well-known miracle of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. It's found in all four Gospels, but we'll read Matthew fourteen thirteen through 21. When Jesus heard the news about John the Baptist being beheaded, he left there in a boat and went to a solitary place by himself. The people heard about it and left their towns and followed him by land. Jesus got out of the boat, and when he saw the large crowd, his heart was filled with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. That evening the disciples came to him and said, It's already very late, and this is a remote place. Send the people away and let them go to the villages to buy food for themselves. They don't have to leave, answered Jesus. You yourselves give them something to eat. All we have here are five loaves and two fish, they replied. Then bring them here to me, Jesus said. He ordered the people to sit down on the grass. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven and gave thanks to God. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Everyone ate and had enough. Then the disciples took up twelve baskets full of what was left over. The number of men who ate were about five thousand, not counting the women and children. So how many were there, really? Possibly between ten and fifteen thousand. Now, friends, with four accounts of the same event, the gospel writers tend to each focus on different details, and we may find important tidbits in another's account. For example, in Mark's account, Jesus directed the crowds to sit in groups of 50 and groups of a 100. John adds that the crowd followed Jesus because they saw the signs he performed. Here in Matthew's gospel, as well as Mark's and Luke's, we're only told that the disciples were grumbling because it was getting dark and they were in a remote place. So they suggested Jesus send the people away to basically fend for themselves. But my take here is that Jesus' intent was to show his disciples that divine resources are ready to meet human needs. Surely, in this case, human resources would not be adequate or sufficient. Now, how the human lack is brought out in John's account was where Philip said it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough or sufficient bread for each one to have a bite. And the human mindset continues with Andrew's comment. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? Well, friends, as we've been seeing, divine resources meet human needs through loving channels, right? Friends, as Christ followers, shouldn't we always operate on the principle that we cannot give out of our own resources alone? They're not sufficient. We have to give out of Christ's resources. Now, some of us think we're giving out of our own resources. That's because God has blessed us and has given us resources to stockpile. So when pressing needs arise, as Titus 3.14 says, we're ready to help 
or connect with others. Recall Philippians 3.19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. A lot of Christians love to quote that verse, but let's observe the context, the four verses before it. Because, friends, this promise was not granted in a vacuum. The Philippian Christ followers sent resources to Paul numerous times to meet his needs. He was simply reminding them that God would honor their actions and in turn meet their own needs. In this way, the Philippians became loving channels whereby resources flowed to meet Paul's needs. Sometimes, friends, the divine resources are divine to the one in need, but God's reservoir is sometimes stocked from our own sacrificial giving of our material material resources. It's a great day for us Christ followers when we live out our experiences knowing that at any moment we could become loving channels to meet another person's needs. You see, friends, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. This, I believe, is what motivated the Philippians to assist Paul. Look, friends, the enemy of our souls, the devil, loves to feed our minds with the idea that we have to be manufacturers. And as long as we buy into that mentality, we'll rarely act boldly and expect great things from God. Again, because we are depending on ourselves or our own self-sufficiency. It becomes liberating when we remind ourselves that we are not manufacturers, but distributors of God's resources. In John's account, we read that after Jesus multiplied the bread and fish, they were distributed to the people. And Matthew tells us it was the disciples who distributed the food. Even Jesus looked up to heaven and gave thanks for what God, through him, was going to do. So we see divine resources meeting human needs through loving channels. Author Claude King, co-author of the book Experiencing God, shared an amazing story that occurred in Arkansas when he was there for an event. The pastor of the Arkansas church that hosted the event told King that a young couple recently got saved. One Sunday he asked them, how are you guys doing? They replied, our car got stolen this week and we need your advice. The police want us to file charges in case they find the person, but we're new Christians and we don't know what the Bible says about that. What should we do? Well, the pastor shared with them the role of government to maintain order and punish wrongdoers. He suggested they follow the police advice, but at the same time, pray for the person who stole their car. He also told them that this person is likely not a Christian and that God may be orchestrating circumstances through this experience to bring him to Christ. So they began praying. A month later, they got word that their car had been found and a 15-year-old boy was in custody. This couple went to visit him in jail. They were so excited to meet him and they mentioned they had been praying for him for a whole month. He probably didn't expect that response. While talking with him, they found out that his mother was in the hospital. So they decided to visit her and show her God's love. 
She had lost her home due to financial challenges and had nowhere to go when released from the hospital. So this young couple brought her home with them and began meeting her needs. When their church found out, they decided to pitch in and help the mother get into a furnished apartment. She was so overwhelmed by these expressions of love by a couple for whom her son stole their car that she received Christ. She then shared Christ with her son, and he got saved. (laughs) While all this was happening, her ex-husband was released from prison. He came home looking for his family because he had become a Christian in prison and was taking a Bible correspondence course in prep for some kind of ministry. He was hoping to be reconciled to his family. Now, be honest, friends. Doesn't this sound like circumstances only God could engineer? Only he could engineer circumstances in such a way that all these events happened at just the right time. It all began with a couple who decided to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives and become loving channels to distribute divine resources. Well, let's pause here for a moment. If you turned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want you to know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com and we'll repeat this info at the end of the program well friends just in case some of you may be thinking that i've artificially superimposed our template over these various accounts in the bible i've been sharing you know that ministry mantra ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of god Let's take a second look at John 3.16, which we can all quote. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever is believing in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you see it now, friends? This beloved verse actually has our ministry mantra embedded in it. Let's take it phrase by phrase. Divine resources refer to God himself offering eternal life, something no human could do. Psalm 49, 7 and 8 make this abundantly clear. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. Meet human needs refers to the human race's need for eternal life or salvation through loving channels. The greatest loving channel that ever lived in eternity as well as in human history is none other than Jesus Christ. In John 10, the chapter on Jesus being the good shepherd, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Friends, I can just imagine a conversation in eternity past between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all discussing the Father's plan of salvation for the human race. Jesus says, I volunteer to be the loving channel to bring this plan to fruition. So, Father, send me. 
It reminded me of Isaiah's commission in Isaiah 6, where God calls Isaiah to prophesy to the Israelites. Verse 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. In Ephesians 3, 7, the Apostle Paul states, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, friends, and place our template, our ministry mantra, over Paul's statement. Of this gospel I was made a loving channel according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by his divine resources. Didn't Paul become a loving channel to bring the divine resources of the gospel to the first century Jews and Gentiles who needed salvation? Heck yeah! And that being so, am I encouraging and exhorting us all to volunteer and willingly become loving channels to bring God's plan to fruition to people in our circles of relationships? Heck yeah! Friends, isn't this what the engineer's prayer, as I've nicknamed it, is all about? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. Friends, isn't this prayer telling the Lord, here I am, send me? Imagine waking up each morning and asking God, so God, what or who is my mission parameter today? Does this make you less likely or less courageous to pray this prayer and see what God does? See what the Holy Spirit engineers? I hope not, friends. Well, let's take a brief look at how Paul and Barnabas saw their mission parameters when they were sent out by the Holy Spirit in Acts 13. Remember, Paul, formerly Saul, was converted in Acts 9. It was there that the resurrected Jesus met Saul on the Damascus road and struck him with lightning, blinded him. That stopped him dead in his tracks. This was a pretty dramatic example of leaving the solution to Jesus, right? Then a loving channel by the name of Ananias stepped in and volunteered to meet human needs by visiting Saul and praying over him, and God removed the scales from his eyes. During that encounter, God said to Ananias, I have chosen Saul to serve me, make my name known to Gentiles, kings, and the people of Israel. Let's fast forward to Acts 13 and watch the Holy Spirit in action. The Holy Spirit gives Saul and Barnabas their marching orders, their mission parameters, so to speak. Verse 1 begins, In the church at Antioch there were some prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Governor Herod, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul to do the work to which I have called them. The story goes on. Having been sent by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went to Seleucia and sailed from there to the island of Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues. Notice, friends, that Barnabas and Saul shared their message wherever people were, and the best places to start were the local synagogues. How about you? Where might the best place be for you to start? The mall? Coffee shop? Sporting event? Recreational facility? The gym? Supermarket? Where might the most natural places be where you can be a loving channel? But I'm going to throw in a caveat here. You must venture out as a loving and willing channel because you love the world of people as God loves the world of people. 
Perhaps a first step is to get on your knees and ask God to burden your soul for the lost, give you a love for lost souls. Then tell God you want to be a laborer in his harvest, per Luke 10.2. Friends, the earmark of Jesus' life and ministry was compassion for people, per Matthew 9.36. Look it up. Can we look at people the way Jesus saw them, harassed and helpless and needing someone to guide them? Leaving the solution to Christ then ultimately means letting the Holy Spirit take charge and suggest your decisions for the day. The poem Be a Friend by Edgar Guest puts the cherry on the whipped cream this way. Be a friend. You don't need money. Just a disposition sunny. Just the wish to help another get along some way or other. Just a kindly hand extended out to one who's unbefriended. Just the will to give or lend. This will make you someone's friend. Be a friend. The pay is bigger, though not written by a figure, than is earned by people clever in what's merely self-endeavor. You'll have a friend instead of neighbors for the profit of your labors. You'll be richer in the end than a prince if you're a friend. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, which will close with an email where you may write me with your feedback on today's program or any other program you've listened to. One listener recently wrote in on part two called, How Does the Holy Spirit See Others? with a wonderful message. I love the story of the college student. How many times do we dismiss that still small voice urging us to do something? By making ourselves open and available, we can make such a difference in the lives of others who God puts in our paths. Well, thank you for your feedback. And the email you hear shortly is also where you may inquire about financially supporting a word from the word. I love coming alongside you who are without a church home or those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com. Search the menu for local program podcasts, then scroll to a word from the word. Podcasts are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, a word from the word is broadcast to over 70 countries. Friends, please join our mission and invest in the ministry of a word from the word in 2023 to help us become fully funded listeners like you keep this program on the air well thanks for listening today friends and remember jesus loves you i'm pastor tom with a word from the word friends if you would like to let pastor tom know what this program has meant to you email him at a word from the word at minister.com that's a word from the word at minister.com.